0: Listeners, you're welcome to Family Alive Ministry, a.k.a. FAM. God began the world with the family, and it must be our goal to maintain that plan. A godly family will produce a godly world. We hope as you listen to this message, the vision to restore God's plan in families would be impressed on your heart. Now, today's message. Uh, I want to talk to you today about... Our priesthood in Christ. I believe that um, to fulfill God's vision for this church we need to understand and plug in to our priesthood in Christ because that is what is going to enable us and give us the tools necessary to changing the families. Uh, You've got families where fathers are not talking to sons and sons are not talking to fathers. Mother is at father's throat, and father is chasing mother with a spatula. (laughs) In the United States, father is chasing, um, okay this is a danger zone I'll come this way. Father is chasing um, mother with, you know what we call a singlet? For gentlemen, you wear a singlet underneath. you know what it's called in the US? In the, it's, it's called wife beater. <laughs> yes, because back in the day, men used it to be their wives. <laughs> they used it to chase their wives around and beat them. So a singlet, if you tell an American singlet, they don't know what it is. But if you say a wife beater, they understand. <laughs> yeah, anyhow, so those of you who know it but don't know the history, that's why it's called wife beater in the United States. So. Uh, It tells you of a a family that is not in harmony. If we must restore God's agenda for the end time, we must find a way to bridge that gap. Um, And God is giving us the tools to do that. And very soon, we want to go to the Word of God. Come with me to Luke chapter number one. And let's take it from verse number 13 all the way through 17. Luke 1, 13, 17. But the angel said to him, I read from the King James Version, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear a son, shall bear thee a son. And thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness. Many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. Now, he shall not drink neither wine nor strong drink, tells you that he's about to take a Nazarite vow, okay? How I wish the young men of today would take a Nazarite vow you got college students that are drinking all kinds of things. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and if you, are, if you are in the house today, I'm not talking to you, but if you know you are talking to yourself, <laughs> may the Lord help you. <laughs> so this John from his mother's womb is not supposed to touch alcohol. Some of those of you who have listened to me a little bit, I told you about my upbringing and things like that. One of the things that we did growing up was actually to brew aquataxi and sell. My uh, grand aunt had a distillery and she brewed aquataxi and we helped her out. When we're done, she gives us a gallon each those days, yes. But we'll sell, Charlie, I start doing business, you (laughs) know, we'll go and sell and then keep the money for school fees and things like that. Myself and three other cousins of mine. None of us ever tasted aquate, not just aqua. I don't know what beer tastes like. I don't know what any drink tastes like, from my childhood until now. So if God did it for me, even though I was raised around aquitaation, so can you, Amen? Amen. I don't know why I'm going this direction, Maybe it's a way for somebody. Amen. Stop romancing the bottle. Amen. And he will be filled with the Holy Ghost living from his mother's womb. Now he's talking about John. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. Seventeen is where I want to go. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That almost encapsulates your vision. Yeah. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the son. Now, verse 17 is completely extracted from the very last word in the Old Testament, practically. And that will be Malachi. Malachi, I think, chapter 4, verse number 6. The very last word that God spoke in the Old Testament. God is saying he would, he would turn the fathers' hearts to the children, the children's hearts to the fathers' and things like that. So it was extrapolated, and now it is being given as a prophecy to Zechariah concerning his son is about to have, whose name is John. How do you make ready a people? How do you make the father's heart be turned to the son's heart, and the son's heart turned to the father's heart? That is bridging. It's bridging a gap, isn't it? And making a family alive. We want to talk about the priesthood. You must be a priest in order for you to have the ability to bridge the gap. Because the word priesthood, by definition, the root word is priest. I'm sure you know that. The Latin word for priest is pontifex. If you have any background with Catholicism, you will understand that their priests are sometimes called the pontiff or the pontifex. A pontifex is the Latin word for priest. And the meaning, practical meaning of pontifex is bridge builder. So in other words, priests are bridge builders. So if we must turn the hearts of the sons to the fathers, and the fathers' hearts to the sons, and bring harmony to the family unit for God's end time agenda, you need a bridge builder. Or you need a priest. Not just any kind of priest. Is somebody following me? What kind of priest are we talking about then? In the Bible, from the old and the new, there are two types of priests. You have what we call the Aaronic priesthood. We want to see what priesthood fits the bill in order to be able to perform this function. So that, we as family alive will be able to bridge the gap to be able to set the family on course for God's end-time agenda. Is that all right? The Aaronic priesthood is the priesthood that is given to the tribe of Levi in the Bible. The tribe of Levi is one of the uh, tribes... The essential or uh, rudimentary, uh, fundamental tribes that make up what we call Israel, one of the sons of Jacob, Levi, those that come from that lineage, Moses, Aaron, and the rest of them, uh, the, the the priesthood comes from their line. Okay, is that priesthood what we are talking about? That has the ability to unite or bridge the gap, or there is another type of priesthood. I can tell you that it's not an ironic priesthood. There is another kind of priesthood into which we are being ushered, and I'm about to show you that now. Come with me to Revelations chapter 1, verse 6. Revelations 1, 6. Revelations is in the New Testament, chapter 1. Verse is 6. Let's take it from 5, actually. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and have made us what? Made us what? Kings. Kings and... Unto God and his Father, to him be what? Glory and what? Dominion forever and ever. God's agenda for the earth has always been for man to have dominion. This dominion dimension that we're supposed to wield will be possible when we function in our priestly role. But not the ironic priesthood. Because the Aaronic priesthood has no kingly dimension to it. Kings are supposed to rule. In order for you to have dominion, you must be a king. Let me accentuate this for you in chapter 5 of the same revelations. I like to teach, so when I do, I give lots of scriptures. I hope you don't mind. I believe in a scripture interpreting itself. Verse number five, verse number nine and ten, Revelation 5. And they sang a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God. Who do you think he's talking about? Jesus. Redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every word and every and every and every and why did he have to redeem us verse number 10 and has what made us unto our god what and and we shall reign on earth. the reason why osofu jesus was slain from before the foundations of the earth to call you and i is so that We can be made priests and kings. Mm -hmm. Jesus did not go to the cross to suffer that shameful, precarious death. And vicariously die for you and I. So that we can ride in big Mercedes Mm Benzes. Let that be an afterthought. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things shall be given unto That one is an afterthought, it's a matter of course, just do the kingdom thing, that one will come. But if you make that your preoccupation, you're going to miss the mark. Somebody here, um, can I take these off so I can feel free? All right, because I'm about to start firing, <laughs> <laughs> amen. So that is the reason why Christ came to die for us. To make us what? Priests. And remember, a priest is a bridge builder who is supposed to turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the sons to the fathers so that we can make ready a people. When you make ready for a people, that's God's entire agenda. Is somebody here? The type of priest with a kingly dimension is what we need to bridge the gap. And it is not the Aaronic priesthood. It is the priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. How many of you have heard that in Melchizedek before? Melchizedek, we meet... Melchizedek for the first time in Genesis chapter 14. Melchizedek has been a source of consternation for all theologians. People have surmised that he is one kind of person and other theologians have said he is not human. Others have said He's a Christophany, others said yet he's a Theophany, others have yet said he's, okay, Christophany. Christophany is comprised of two words, Christos, for Christ. And funny comes from the Greek phaneo, that means to manifest. So a Christophany, it's an English word, it's in your Bible, it's in your dictionary. A Christophany is a manifestation of Christ in human form or before time. theophany is the same way. Theo comes from theos, for God. phany, phaneo, manifest, or a manifestation of God. So this Melchizedek man, whom we meet in Genesis chapter 14, is a man that the Bible describes as having no father and no mother. That will be Hebrews chapter 7, from verse number 1 to 4, which i come there. Our priesthood is after the priesthood of Christ, who also has made us into priests and kings after the order of this Melchizedek. I'll break it down for you. Next week, I'll be here again. If you have questions, you can bring them. Melchizedek, when you meet Melchizedek in chapters number 14 of the book of Genesis, you know of Lot? You've heard of Lot? Okay. Lot was Abraham's nephew. Who Abraham took along with him when God came to him, okay? I need to speak to you and break these things down so you understand. Now, Lot and Abraham were getting along fine until you get to chapter 13. Abraham is the one that God called and gave the command to and made a covenant with. But there came a time when God blessed. Listen, when God has his hand on you, he will bless you. It doesn't matter where. That's why I said, don't make the blessing the object of your focus. That one is a matter of course. Abraham was so blessed that even Lot that was with him also became blessed. People will be blessed just because they associate with you. (laughs) Lot and Abraham got so blessed, by trade, they were herdsmen. Animal husbandry. So Abraham had his frock. And his herdsmen will shepherd them. Lot had his. It got to a time they were grazing at a place and they started budging heads together. So Abraham called Lot. He said, Lot, come. He said, let there be no fight between me and you, nor my herdsmen and your herdsmen. I like the King James. You want to know what the King James said? He said, for we be brethren. Sometimes I think the King James is written by a Nigerian <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get it. For we be brethren. For we be farm. <laughs> All right? So he said, because of that, I have a solution to this conflict between my herdsmen and your headsmen. The land is before you. Choose whichever one you want to take. Look at Abraham. He's the one that God cut a covenant with. But when it came time, he gave the first right of refusal to his nephew. Why? Because he knew that the covenant that brought the blessing has not dissipated. And it never will. So the Bible says, Lot looked and he chose the plush place where the grass is greener. And he said, uncle, I like over there. He said, As far as the eyes can see, you can take. So he took the place and left Abraham with a not so good place. But in time, the place that he chose got burnt up. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Yeah. All right. We don't want to go there. So this lot, where he chose, eventually he got separated from Abraham. And then his people were attacked by a confederacy of kings who came together and realized that this guy was becoming stronger than we are in this place. So they came, kidnapped him, his people, and they took everything away. So word went back to Abraham. At this time, you have gone to chapter 14. That your nephew, Lot, who has just taken off and is taking the plush place, he has been captured. And the people have taken him. And the Bible said, Abraham and over 300 strange soldiers from it. The man had his own personal army. You don't understand. He's not bodyguard. Some, some of our charismatic puppets, they are going places. <laughs> you see macho man. <laughs> the Lord is my light and my salvation. I shall not fear what man shall do uh, Anyway, I don't... Are you alright? Can we continue? Am I boring you? So Abraham got his trained soldiers and they went after the confederacy. They defeated them and then he retrieved a Lot and he even got some booty, okay? I won't tell you the story about <laughs> Jesus is Lord. <laughs> and got some booty, booty is the uh, spoils of war. And when Abraham was coming, he met one of the, uh, the kings, who was in the area where Lot was. He's an ally of Lot. And he said, well, thank you very much. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. You have done well. All right. Now, just the booty that you have, take as much as you want to take. And Abraham said, I love Abraham. Listen, when you have an understanding of the God who has made a covenant with you, you will not fear. You will always be steady. You will not be jealous. You will not be ahead of time because you know he makes all things beautiful in his time. You know what Abraham told him? He said, I will not take anything from you, from a thread to a shoe latchet, lest you should say I have made Abraham rich. In other words, Abraham is saying, I refuse you the opportunity to boast that you are the one who blessed me. So because of that, even though I have rightfully gained this through warfare, I will take not even a shoe thread. lest you should say, I have made Abraham rich. You know, that you go to, let me just, I love the Bible. Are you sure you want to listen to this guy? You get to <laughs> chapter 15, and immediately, verse number one, the Lord God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, I am your shield, and you're exceeding great reward. Because you trust me. Abraham said, no, I'm not going to do it. He said, but for these men, guys, that helped in winning the war, Maybe they can take something. Not for me. You, I refuse you the opportunity to say I'm the one who made Abraham rich. Because the God that I made a covenant with is the one who blesses me. Not long after, Abraham meets this person called Melchizedek. I went through all of that to show you. Enter now Melchizedek. Abraham paid a tithe. Melchizedek. And Melchizedek now gave him communion, if you will. He gave him bread and wine. This is Genesis chapter 14. You are not in the New Testament yet. Melchizedek theologically almost is like a whirlwind. He disappears just as fast as he appeared. For a brief moment He had an encounter with Abraham, at least according to the documents, biblical documents. And then Abraham gives him the tithes. He gives Abraham communion. We hear nothing of him again. That is what has led to the speculation about his background. Is he a real human being? Is he a Christophany? Or is he a theophany? Now you understand. I think I'm a pretty good teacher. Won't you say that? So, the reason people say that is, okay, where are from this guy. And the Bible has enough information to tell us about him. I'm taking the time to show you because the kind of priesthood that is required to bridge the gap is the Melchizedek priesthood. So, you must understand the guy. and You must understand what he stands for. So, I'm, I'm trying to lay the foundation. Next week, we'll build upon it and we'll talk about taking territories for the kingdom. Is that all right? Amen. So, Melchizedek appears in three different books in the whole Bible. First, in Genesis chapter 14, when Abraham meets him. Second, he is mentioned, the next time he is mentioned is in Psalm 110. Okay? In Psalm 110. Then the third time he is mentioned will be in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews. Chapters 5, chapter 6 In chapter 7. All right? Look at something interesting. Between Genesis 14 and Psalm 110, is a time span of 1,000 years. David was not there when Abraham encountered Melchizedek, yet, David writes about him. after 1,000 years. Between Psalm 110 and the book of Hebrews is another time span of 1,000 years. The Hebrew writer did not meet David. Neither did he meet Moses. Yet he also speaks about Melchizedek in the same terms. What does that tell you? That the Bible... This is Apologetics 101. The Bible has only one author. One author called the Spirit of God. It's got to be one author. For something to happen 1,000 years later without corresponding and write exact same thing. And another 1,000 years later, exact same thing. The consistency tells you that there is only one author. That is why... There is such a term in theology called theonostos. 2 Timothy chapter 3. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. That word, inspiration of God, the original translation is theonostos. In other words, all scripture is God-breathed. God-breathed the scriptures alive. Scriptures are living. No wonder in Galatians 3.8, Paul says that for Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen. Scripture foreseeing, in other words, Scripture is almost being described as in anime terms. Why? Because God breathed it. Just the same way God breathed into man and he became... Are I- you there? So, who is Melchizedek? Melchizedek is neither a Theophany nor a Christophany. Melchizedek was an actual human being who once lived. His name Melchizedek can be broken in two. Melek, M-E-L-E-K, and Zedek, Z-E-D-E-K. Melek in Hebrew means king. Zedek in Hebrew means righteousness. When you put the two together, he is the king of righteousness. Somebody here? It's only your Bible. Because of time, we'll read some of these scriptures. Okay, he is a king of righteousness, and this king of righteousness lived in a particular place, and Abraham identified him as a priest of God before he paid tithe to him. So therefore, he must be a human being in order for Abraham to recognize him. The place where he was king is, called, is also called the priest of Salem, or the king of Salem. Salem is the later part of the word Jerusalem, or Jerusalem, which is from the Hebrew Shalom. So he is the king of righteousness and he rules over the city of peace. A real human being. He's not a Christophany because Abraham recognized the guy. The reason why people say he's a Christophany, give me chapter 7 of Hebrews. I don't know about you, but I'm enjoying my own message. (laughs) Hebrews 7 from verse number 1 through 4 for this Melchizedek you see what's the next thing? King of what? so he's a king of Salem Melchizedek okay the Aaronic priesthood they were only priests there was no kingly dimension but this man was a ruler and at the same time a priest. When I taught this to the class, I gave him this example. I said, Melchizedek's role will be akin to the Dalai Lama. The Dalai Lama is the spiritual leader of Tibet, but he's also their king, even though he is in exile. You get it. So, Melchizedek was a king of Salem, which is the place. Okay? And he was also the priest of the most high God who met Abraham, returning from the slaughter of the kings. Remember the story I told you earlier? And blessed him. Underline the word blessed him. If I forget, remind me that I said, I will explain to you what that means. Okay? To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness. Remember Melchizedek, yeah. king of righteousness. And after that, also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Here is where the controversy starts. Verse 3. This Melchizedek is without father, without mother. Without descent, having neither beginnings of days, nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. Let me stop there. In the Aaronic priesthood, whenever a high priest from the tribe of Levi dies, his tenure as priest terminates. Then somebody else comes and steps in his shoes. One of the most amazing things, when a new person, a new guy comes, and is about to step in his shoes, their priestly garment, they don't sew a new one. They take the old one from the previous guy, and they put it on the new guy, and then anoint him. You know what that is called? Compounded anointing. You don't understand In other words, whatever the previous people are carrying, it's on you plus your own. (laughs) May you have a compounded anointing in Jesus. So whenever he dies, that terminates his regime of priesthood. Then another person comes. But over here, we are told that the priesthood of Melchizedek abided continually. It has no end. That is why he has no mother. He has no father, he has no descendants, he has no beginning of days, and he has no end. What does that strike you off? I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the Lord, I change it not. You know why he says that? He says that because Melchizedek, as a human being who lived, was a shadow of that which was to come. He was a type of the antitype called Christ. Are you understanding? Yes. Please, if you need me to come down, just raise your hand. I'll come down. I've got... Amen. Can I flow? Yes, so, why did the Bible say so? Because Jesus must enter into the heavenly Jerusalem, the most holy place, to plead on our behalf. And you only go there as a priest, a high priest. But there is a problem. The high priests that go to the most holy place are from the tribe of Levi. Jesus, if he must be a priest after the order of the Aaronic priesthood, does not qualify because he's not from Levi. So therefore, the one who pre-shadows Christ must also not have a tribe. Ezra chapter 2, verse 61 and 62. Ezra chapter 2. Ezra chapter 2. Ezra chapter 2. The children of Pharaoh, 2,172. Yes? No. I said 61. And of the children of the priests, now listen now. These are people who, after the captivity, have come and are trying to find their lineage to see how many of them qualify for their priestly line. In order for that to happen, records must be opened, and you must be located. Your lineage must be traced to that of the priesthood. Okay? So we're reading. And of the children of the priests, the children of Habiah, the children of Koz, the children of Bazillai, which took a wife of the daughters of Bazili the Gileadites, and was called after their name, 62. These sought their register among those that were reckoned by genealogy, but they were what? Not found. Therefore, were they as polluted, put away from the priesthood. So because their genealogy could not be traced, from the line of the priesthood, they were put away from the priesthood. They could never become priests because they never came from that genealogy. In other words, you must be from the lineage of Levi in order for you to qualify. If Jesus must be a priest who will service God in a holy place, and a most holy place, serving you and I, interceding for you and I, he would will woefully fail if it is after the Aaronic priesthood. Therefore, it must be after a certain order which predated the Aaronic priesthood because Melchizedek lived before Aaron. It must be after a priesthood which order is after a man that had no genealogy so that Jesus will qualify. Do you understand? So when you go looking at the register for Jesus' name, you are wasting your time because his priesthood is not after that of Aaron. Is after Melchizedek. And Melchizedek has no genealogy. Yeah. In other words, because he must fit perfectly the typology, his parents' names were omitted. His descendants were omitted. Because his priesthood is superior to that of the Aaronic priesthood. Somebody following me? I'm laying the foundation. Next yeah. week we'll take off from that. Melchizedek, as I start to wind down now. Let me take you to Psalm 110. I don't want to overfeed you. Make sure you take notes when you go home. Go digest on it. It's very interesting. So, the type of priesthood that we have is after the order of Psalm 110. 1 to 7. There are only seven verses. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. By the way, stop. The Lord said to my Lord, who is writing? Who is writing? David. I've told you this before, right? David is a man writing here on earth. And he said, I am hearing something in heaven. God is speaking to God. The man is here, but he can intercept heavenly conversations. No wonder he's a man after God's own heart. He said, I hear. The Lord said to my Lord. God is speaking to God. You think I'm being blasphemous? You have to read Hebrews chapter 1. The Bible says, and of the Son, he said, Thy throne, O God. Yeah. God is writing. And he said, Of the Son, he said, Thy throne, O God. God is calling Jesus God. <laughs> I hear God say to God, Lord. The Lord said to my Lord, Sit down at my right hand until I make thine enemies what? Thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Verse 3. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. In the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning, thou hast the dew of thy youth. Four, the Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of what? This is David writing a thousand years after Genesis 14. Verse 5. The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through what? Kings in the days of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with the with their dead bodies. He shall wound the heads of many countries. He shall drink of the brook in the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head. Psalm 110. Is divided in two stanzas. Verse number one to verse number three is the first stanza. And then four to seven is the second stanza. In the first stanza, Jesus is made a king by divine declaration. The Lord said, divine declaration. That's what makes us kings. Where I come from, they said I'm a royal. That one day I'll be chief. I said I will have a gun and shoot somebody. <laughs> <laughs> but they know better. They would try and lure you, and find when you are the most unsuspecting. Then they will cut something and put it on your leg, and they said, "Now you are." No, 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 no. This type of priesthood. Is deliberate and intentional. God is saying it. it's a divine declaration. The Lord said to my Lord, so His kingly anointing is by divine declaration. That's in the first stanza. But His priestly anointing is by a divine oath. Second stanza, the Lord has sworn. It is there. Verse four, the Lord has sworn and will not repent. What is the swearing? Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Divine declaration makes him king, and a divine oath makes him a priest. Therefore, he is a kingly priest. And if you must rule in the midst of the people, bridging the gap as priests. You must know the type of priest you are. In conclusion, listen. What's your name, madam? Ajua. Do you know you're a priest? I didn't say priestess. <laughs> 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 priest, Ajua. Hallelujah. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. Your name, sir? Ellie. Priest, Ellie. Yeah. Madam, no. Vivian. Priest, Vivian. On and on and on. We are priests. Listen. Stop bugging Pastor Rod. Pastor Rod, pray for, intervene for this, intervene for that, and do this, and uh, fast for me. If he's fasting for all of it, the man is already small. We're trying to get him to put something (laughs) As if we have immortalized men of God of our days, raised them on a pedestal above where we are. But I am here to tell you, regardless of the title they wear, They are the same as you. An archbishop, regardless. A bishop, regardless. A cardinal, regardless. They are the same standard as priest Ajua, priest Ellie, and priest Vivian. You are the same as an archbishop. Why? Because God has made us priests and kings. For we are what? A royal, a holy nation. We are called forth by God to show his glory. All of us. It is a kingdom of priests. Nobody is higher than the other. When you elevate somebody above you, then you see them as your mediator. And you see them as the one that leads you to God. No, that is not the case. Jesus is the only mediator. For there is only one mediator between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus. No other man. Do you understand? When we elevate men of God to the status where we think they are able to carry your request to God faster than you are, there's a theological term for it. There's a theological term for it. It's called sacerdotalism. In other words, you see them as being the bridge between man and God. No, there is only one person. Now Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 to 16 will come in. Seeing then we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Let us hold fast our confession. For we have not a high priest that is not touched by the feelings of our infirmities. He was at all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. On the basis of that, let's come now boldly to the throne of grace. Who should come boldly? You should come. You should come. You should come. You should come. Not only the archbishop, you should come boldly to the throne room of grace, that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Um, the Melchizedek priesthood is superior to that of the Aaronic priesthood. And there are two ways by which that is accentuated in scripture. All in Hebrews, Hebrews 7. To any Jew, listen, Abraham is the real Jew. In fact, you can't be a Jew without Abraham. That is why when Jesus encountered the woman at, at the well, she said something that was theologically tautological. <laughs> the woman said this, you know that we Samarians have nothing to do with you Jews. Remember that? And then she proceeded, here comes the tautology. Ah, Father Abraham. Ah. We have nothing to do with you Jews, but ah, Father Abraham. How can you say they are Jews, but your father is Abraham? And the father is not Abraham. <laughs> so to the Jew, Abraham is an untouchable sacrosanct. Yet, when it comes to Melchizedek, Abraham becomes a small boy. Because Hebrews will tell you, That it is the greater that blesses the lesser. So Melchizedek, being the greater, blessed Abraham. That's number one. Number two, way of Bible proving that the Melchizedek priesthood is superior to that of the Aaronic priesthood is the fact that Melchizedek received tithe from Abraham. And then the Bible went on to say this. Read the whole of chapter 7 of the book of Hebrews. It says that of all the tribes, which of the tribe takes tithe? Tribe of Levi, because they are the priesthood. The Hebrew writer says, even Levi that takes tribe from among his friends, that Levi, he himself, he paid tithe to Melchizedek. Tithe collector paying tithe. (laughs) So who is greater? The one receiving is greater, right? Ah, ah. But how did Levi pay tithe to Melchizedek? Levi wasn't born when Abraham encountered him. Yes, sir. The Bible said, for he was still in his father's loins. At that time, Isaac had not even been born. Yet the Bible said, Levi paid tithe to Melchizedek. Why? Because Abraham paid tithe Whatever you do to God, you see, Christians of today, we are only inundated and preoccupied with negativity and curses and numi uh, bebaosu, uh, all kinds of junk. <laughs> junk, gibberish, things that have, should have no bearings whatsoever. Is that not what they call it, numi? <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, I can't speak that language, you know. Those, those people who, you know, anyway, you see, you are getting me off track. <laughs> so then we are afraid. Because when you see in the Bible, says, especially when it comes to idolatry. Exodus chapter 20. God says, I'll visit the iniquity unto the fathers and the children up to fourth generation. Well, God is... Is, is not impartial. The same way, when you walk in obedience, he credits the results and the consequences and benefits of your obedience up to the fourth generation. So Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek, but it was credited four generations down. Abraham gave birth to Isaac, Isaac to Jacob, Jacob to the twelve tribes, of which Levi is one. So Levi paying tithe to Melchizedek was a credit to him four generations before he was born because his great-great-grandfather Abraham did so. So two ways by which you know that the um, Melchizedek priesthood is superior to that of the Aaronic priesthood. Number one, it was Melchizedek that blessed Abraham. That's what I said, remind me. And then number two, it was the Le- Levitical priesthood that paid tithes. He received tithes from them, he didn't pay tithe to them. Why? Levi received tithe from his brothers because he is of the priestly tribe. But there is a tribe, there is a priesthood which is superior to that. And that is the Melchizedek priesthood. We hope you were blessed by this message. For more information, please visit our social media websites on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at Family Alive Ministry. Please subscribe, follow, like and share. God bless you and have a great week.